light the fire. You place the flowers in the vase that you bought today. Hello. Welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today, I'm sharing with you a conversation with Olivia Montiel of House of Om Yoga. Olivia and I met at the Kripalu School for Ayurveda, and she recently moved from the New York metro area down to Florida. We talk about how the change in climate has impacted her daily routines and how Ayurveda is serving her on a very basic daily regular life kind of level. And one of the things I like about this conversation is that it serves to show that Ayurveda and its practices and wisdom is not just theoretical. It's not just on paper. It's not a also either a phase or a trend. It can just very simply offer guideposts for how to live our lives on the most fundamental level. Also, Olivia does us the pleasure of sharing her music. She plays the harmonium, and so we'll get to hear that a bit later in the show. But for now, let's dive into this conversation with Olivia Montiel. house is a very, very, very fine house with two cats. Olivia Montiel, the owner of House of Home Yoga and 500-hour E-R-Y-T. Does that work? Yeah, totally. Awesome. So we were just starting to get into talking about how moving from kind of a New York metro area south to Florida has shifted some of your routines and some of your self-care. And I'd love to hear more about that. Um, yes. Uh, so in the Northeast, a bulk of the year is spent in a cold Vata-like environment and Um, So a lot of my self-care practices, you know, focused on balancing out my kapha dosha and my pitta dosha with the combination of being aware of vata and where it can creep into, you know, not only in the body, but in the mind. And in that cold weather, turmeric, hot tea, ginger, grounding, warming herbs and, and, and teas were great to help balance out any dull thinking, um, any aches, you know, any, any sensations in the bones. So eating a more balanced diet with in addition into, you know, adding turmeric and things like that really helped save the way my digestion was working. In the cold times, we tend to really chuck up, just like in nature, how bears do. We hibernate during those times. And so we prepare for uh, the long, cold winter. And moving to Florida, a lot of my lifestyle, self-care practices, and even diet has changed. In Florida, um, just letting you know how it's humid here, and it adds to atmospheric pressure. And the way that I've responded to it, I tend to get sinus headaches or migraines if I'm not careful. And so luckily, turmeric is tridoshic, and I can have that as well. I've, I've had to really tune in to what my surroundings are so that I can figure out how to feel better with nature because things are always evolving around us. And it's, it's sometimes it's easy to get caught up in, in that, that dynamic motion of life and we can lose sight of, uh, you know, self-care. Yeah. Especially with 
a move adds just a lot of vata to the system, I'm sure, because of all that all that mobility and all the packing and all the chaos and all of that, it, it would make one need to kind of double down on the self-care stuff. Oh, 100%. And, you know, when you're uprooting and your life and you're, you're going with the change, you're flowing with emotions, it's very easy to get caught up in um, anxiety or anger, frustration. And just because you're, uh, you're moving everything that you have, and it's you're not fully rooted in, in that state, um, you're more in motion. And so yes, it definitely adds to the stress of, of moving down or moving anywhere in general. Luckily, we moved in one trip and we packed up our U-Haul van um, for three days straight. (laughs) We had it pulled up to our back door in the backyard and we moved during one of the coldest, I feel like, moments of our early winter there. Um, And it was right before that winter cyclone or whatever it was. Oh yeah, the the bomb cyclone. (laughs) So we moved literally days before that hit and my husband and I we were so determined our our pitta was definitely aggravated we were so determined to finish you know the process getting the stuff down the stairs and mind you we had to climb three flights of stairs in our apartment complex (laughs) so just a lot of effort was done in the cold and our one of our first pieces of furniture that we chose to take down was one of the biggest pieces that we have it's a hutch and it's an antique so it's like it's important to us it's you know kind of like a family heirloom piece of furniture and um it's really heavy we carry it down get it out the door and into the truck the door closes behind us we're getting it situated into the trailer and um, my husband turns to me he's like oh do you have the key oh no i don't i thought you had the key oh no so we we locked ourselves up I laugh at it now, but at the time I was not happy. (laughs) When I teach a little intro to Ayurveda class, I will often tell, use this example of how there was one month where I threw my keys down the garbage chute by accident. Like I was throwing out, I left my apartment and I was throwing out the trash and I just threw the trash down the garbage chute along with my keys. And then later on that same month, This was a pretty magical moment. I dropped my keys in the elevator in the quarter inch space between like the elevator car and the floor of the building right down the elevator shaft. And I use that as my example of Vata Brain. Maybe instead of rushing so much to, and sometimes luck is just luck. Sometimes you just drop your keys. Sometimes you just, you have butterfingers and that happens. But you know, if you want to go metaphorical with it, it could be an opportunity to take a deep breath and say, okay, interesting. Like, what is going on with me? Am I rushing? Am I not being mindful? Am I not paying attention? You know, what What could I be shifting to keep myself from throwing my keys out the window? Right. And, you, and you know, sometimes we tap into the moment and realize, and then sometimes the lesson comes like a month later and you're like, oh, you know, like, oh, I sh- this is how I should have reacted, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean... Far be it for me to pretend that I'm Zen in every given moment and I, I learn my lessons once and immediately because that's just not reality at all. Right, exactly. And but that's the beauty of it sometimes. It's or I've had moments where it's like you had an aha moment and it comes to you so late. It's like, oh, I gotta go journal about this. I remember this one time. <laughs> 
so that hopefully the next time something happens, you can go, oh, right, this is one of those. Yes. <laughs> so I have a particular question. You mentioned turmeric as tridoshic. I went to the store recently. I do have my CCFT, my cumin coriander fennel tea. I do have a turmeric tea that is just a turmeric in a bag like I buy at the store. It's a tea bag. But I also went to the store and bought turmeric. It looks like a little ginger worm. And I put it on my counter in my dish of things that I use all the time. And I never used it because I didn't know how to use it. So I am curious if you have used it, if you've made tea from turmeric from scratch, if you have anything that you do with turmeric that I could do. Well, one thing that I do with my tea is I actually get turmeric in the powdered form. Mm -hmm. And before I choose any other supplemental herbs, whether it be a green tea or ginger or even cinnamon, just really thinking about the water before whatever you add to it, what I do is I add the powdered turmeric. Um, I add a coated layer to the top of my kettle and I boil the turmeric within the water. So it, it's, it's very much seeped into the water as the base of the tea. And what happens is once you boil it, it kind of makes it like um, almost not like a cream, but uh, it has a bit of um, a fluffy consistency to it, um, almost like when you get whipped cream in a way, but not as, as thick. Um, so it's a coated layer in the water. And I, you know, I add any other blended tea sometimes. You can do green tea, white tea as a base. You can add uh, fruit flavoring, pear, things like that. Um, just depending on what kind of mood that I'm in, sometimes I'll have more of a fruit-based tea with turmeric added to it, or I'll do cinnamon and green tea. That's one of my favorites. This is awesome. I love this. This is not something I knew. So you put, just to reiterate, you open up your kettle, you have water in it, you put the ground turmeric like you would get at the grocery store in that water. Yes. And then turn the kettle on. Yep. And you do the same thing with cinnamon? You can. I also add cinnamon. So you can also boil turmeric and cinnamon together. Both have really great inflammation, decreasing properties, antioxidants and things like that within them. So if you ever feel, for me, like specifically when I feel bloated, I go for cinnamon and turmeric at the same time. It helps with excess kappa and any inflammation pizza related uh, imbalances. That's Awesome. I love this. I learned something new already. I'm very excited. I'm going to do this as soon as we get off this interview. Like, I'm going to go do this. I love cinnamon. I put it in everything. For me, it's just a nice, just same thing you said, the anti-inflammatory. But being a kapha pitta person, it tricks me into thinking it's sweet, but really it's warm. And that's exactly what I need. I need something that kind of will, will calm my sweet tooth, but also is warming, which so for me, cinnamon and honey and, you know, anything with those warming or astringent properties that also makes my brain think I'm getting a little sweetness is a, a nice antidote. Right. Definitely is. So you talked a little bit again, turmeric made its way from, do you remember, by the way, do you remember the turmeric joke? No, I don't remember. When you start practicing Ayurveda, everything turns golden <laughs> from turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, some of my pants have, have suffered. Yes. <laughs> Such a dorky joke. 
<laughs> oh, it's true. <laughs> so turmeric, turmeric for everybody. <laughs> and you talked a little bit about how your daily habits have transitioned as you've changed environments. And I recently did a, a show about my daily routine, my dinacharya, and I'm curious if a little bit of background for everybody. We graduated our 500-hour yoga and Ayurveda yoga teacher training together. And in it, we were taught or instructors shared with us, you know, a million different daily routines. And I have probably kept with me, you know, three or four that I actually do on a daily basis. And I'm curious, which of the daily routines do you find you really stick with? Which have you let go of? Did you try anything that you thought was going to change your life and then you eventually decided you were going to let go of and move on? Yeah. Um, so from moving down, um, a lot has shifted in, in, in aspects of my self-care. This one that sticks out to me right now is I'll be younger. I typically use grapeseed oil um, in the colder environments because it's light. So it won't um, make you feel heavy, but it's also warming. Um, so it's great for reducing kapha and warming vata. And the grapeseed oil is great for kapha doshas. But here, living in Florida now, it is definitely a lot warmer, a lot brighter. And so the grapeseed oil, though it helps balance out my kapha, it can actually agitate my pitta, I've noticed, and where I would get flare-ups on my skin, you know, heat rash, um, especially because I um, am constantly moving as a yoga teacher and going around, driving to my classes, teaching the classes. And so you know, I noticed that my pitta started becoming out of balance. And so I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll switch to coconut oil instead, which is not as heavy, but it's cooling. So using coconut oil here versus the grapeseed has shifted the way my skin reacts to temperature and, 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 you know, being outside more often. That's great. Yeah. I happen to love coconut oil, but up here, I just, it's a little too cooling for me, but it's a shame because it smells delicious. It, it is. And, you know, coconut oil, it's great for the hair it's great for skin nails all all of it and it's it's so true it's i i've stuck it sometimes in the cold weather <laughs> i love coconut oil <laughs> i know that's a that's an ayurvedic cheat right when we're i'm not doing it right but i love it when we got back from this training one of the things that the instructors talked a lot about not a lot about but really stuck with me was they're a little anti-smoothie because smoothies are already broken down. There are a ton of things all mixed together. They're cool. They're wet. They're sticky. There's, they're super vata, you know, because they've just been blended all together. And I, I, I love smoothies. So every once in a while, I'll cheat and have a smoothie. And I think of our teachers and I just shake my head, saying like, "All right, this is the, this is the fifteen percent." Well, you know, I think honestly, it's all about balance. Where would we be if we didn't have those, you know, cheat days where we give in to things that we desire, whether it's the treats or wanting to relax all day and taking the day off? I think you know that's also important too, and for everybody. And, and having a daily routine is great, and it offers discipline and, and it gives such insight to 
getting to understand yourself on a deeper level. But it's also important that you enjoy little things. And I'm not I'm not going to be the type of the teacher that says don't enjoy your smoothie. <laughs> no, you have to enjoy it. If you're going to have it, enjoy it for crying out loud. If you're going to have a piece of pizza, love it. Love that pizza. What our, what our teachers have had to say is true. So just being mindful about it. <laughs> right. Right. When I was sharing what what I do on a daily basis, I went back and I looked at some of the learnings and I looked at some of my notes to myself that I had taken. And, you know, I just really at the time of our instruction and because we were up at school and the hours were shifted and, you know, our entire goal was to be there and to learn. I really waxed poetic about getting up before dawn and I I really thought that that was going to be my jam. And, you know, now that I'm in my daily life, I get up at 7.30 sometimes, maybe most of the time. (laughs) And, and, you know, that's going to be fine. Like, I'm not going to do all the things all the time. I do what I can do and what works for me. That's not to say getting up early isn't beautiful. It is beautiful. And when I do do it, it does feel a little bit magic if I allow it to feel expansive and open in that way and not grumble about it. But sometimes I just need that extra hour of sleep. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you took away that you thought was going to be like the key to your life that you ended up deciding wasn't practical. I'd have to agree with you on um, the early rising. <laughs> Actually, at the time, during training, I was I taught a Monday at 6 a.m. class that was about um, 20 minutes of a drive from my house to the studio. And I was very dedicated to my community. And I was always tried to be the early riser and get there on time and never wanted to be late for my 6 a.m. And always tried to make those morning classes special. And it was hard having it be Monday and transitioning from the weekend and, and practicing the early rising. I would you know, get up by 4.30 to make it there by 5.15 so that I can set up and prepare. And I allowed that Monday to be kind of my tether to that practice for a little while. And then I found that it was getting tougher on me with just because of my routine and, and being in the lifestyle that we are. You know, if I could take a nap during the day, (laughs) I would be getting up at 4.30 every morning. But, you know, sometimes those kind of routines and those practices aren't for everybody. And it's, I think, important to be intuitive with yourself and notice, hey, maybe getting up so early isn't working for you, or maybe you do require more sleep. And that in itself is an exploration. Yeah, one of the things I talk about with Ayurveda is that it's not, there's no quick fixes to anything. And that if you're going to try something, if you're going to try to shift something, you kind of have to just stick with it for a while and then really have some self-inquiry to know if it's working for you or not. Oh, definitely. And, and self-inquiry and that is, is, you know, important. It's that self-observation, I think, is what is a very key aspect of what Ayurveda actually is. It's it's really getting to know how 
you are responding in all facets to your life and your routine and then how where you find that you feel moments where you're out of balance and it's it's important to tap into those moments of your day and and check in and you know we're all human so it's if something doesn't work out there's no there's no need to beat yourself up over anything one of the things i took away from that learning was was just the idea of experiment that it's an experiment you're going to try this thing and there's no failing and there's no feeling bad and there's no it should be this way or it should be the other way it's just try this thing and see how it goes and then reflect you know do you feel dull or sharp do you feel cool or warm you know I do that for me with my breath with my thought patterns with my body and Ayurveda has taught me a reason to be mindful like it's very practical it's very efficient you know it's it's a reason behind you should be mindful. Well, why? You know, so I don't throw my keys down the garbage chute is one thing. But, <laughs> you know, I've always struggled a little bit with like, well, you should meditate every day. Well, wh- why? And now for me, it's shifted in terms of that's my why so that I can know how I feel in my body, how I feel in my mind and how my breath is so that I can better determine what the next thing I can do is for myself and in the world. A hundred percent. And I, I love how you just described it. And in such a way, it's Ayurveda gives us the opportunity to, I feel like to sit with ourselves and all that comes along with who we are, the emotions, the sensations. Um, and Ayurveda is just that, yes, you have the opportunity to try all of these different practices. And the exploration is really unique to each individual. And and that's the beauty of it, too. It's if you find that maybe you're disconnecting with certain things, you can plug back into understanding your dosha and figure out ways around imbalances. And just knowing that you have them available doesn't doesn't mean that you should have to be very regimented about it or too extreme um, to a point where it, it doesn't become a joy anymore. I loved what you're saying about don't be so don't hold on so tightly that it it no longer is joyful. Yes. And, I, I, and that's just a that's a great point to just end it end it on. You know, if you're doing something that doesn't make you feel you know, in tune and happy, then maybe it's time to take a step back and try something else. I'm kind of transitioning here a little bit, but I personally have been noticing that with my social media consumption. So this is to say that Ayurveda doesn't have to apply only to the foods you eat or the time you wake up, but whatever, whatever inputs you have in your life. So I have been working from home in the last few months and I've been noticing that you know, I'm checking Twitter a lot. I'm checking Facebook. I'm checking Instagram. And I feel a little bit of a habitual, like addictive pull that's happening there. And it doesn't give me joy for the most part. I notice now after a long time that I can say, oh, this doesn't make me feel good. I end up feeling dull or foggy or like I kind of hypnotize out and then I'm like, oh my gosh, how long have I been on Instagram? Like I I can sit down or and just be on it and not even know how much time is going by. And so 
I just wanted to put out there that this reflection and this experiment and this self-inquiry can apply to anything, to what you look at, what you read, what you what TV you watch, you know, anything like that. Do you find that to be the case as well? Oh, yes. And just touching on that, you know, we're in a very technological era where communication is sometimes solely derived through our technology. And there's um, limited, um, depending on your job, even limited um, human you know, interaction, conversation, a lot of it's done through, you know, emails and things like that. And so it's become habitual in that way and in a source of, you know, reaching out to people. And so I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I would find myself sitting and looking at Instagram for, you know, who knows how long, um, you know, time flies when you, you know, get trapped into that um, cycle of, of, dumping your energy into focusing on social media. And, you know, sometimes a lot of it, you know, you have to be exposed to it, whether it's for your job, or maybe that's the way you communicate with friends and family. And so, and again, same as with that, it's all in moderation. Um, For me, the way I do it is I schedule my time that I have to do blog posts or things like that for my business, um, or any communication that I have to do through, um, you know, email or, or, so I time it out for my day, typically during pitta time so that I, I can get through as much as I can. And then I try to unwind from it, um, and refrain from it. But, you know, again, we're all human. So if, if you find that it's, you feel balanced and, and, good about your social media use and you should go about your happy day. And if you find that you're getting, like you said, um, bored of it or exhausted from it or drained from it, then it may be time to maybe shut the phone off for a little while, put the phone away. Or what I like to do is (laughs) I put my phone in a different room than my office sometimes uh, if I find that I'm sneaking onto Facebook or something and I'll forget about it and that way I could focus solely on whatever it is that I'm doing at the moment and sometimes I'll forget that I left my phone somewhere in Obata <laughs> but um, you know any little things to help balance out those dull heavy feelings that where you might feel drained from certain routines or things that you do it's it's important to be mindful and explore what's changing it and changing how you're operating with certain things yeah I like that explore and and getting getting it out of the room so you mentioned that you have a dog I do and it's so sweet I can't I've, I've heard no peep from the dog no barking if it happens I will welcome it we also used to have a dog our dog passed this past summer she was a sweetie. She was also a guest on the show and would every once in a while bark. So, but we, <laughs> I would make it a habit to leave. We would leave the phones at home when we took her out for a walk. Really simple, right? Why would I need to be on the phone when I'm walking the dog? But those 20 minutes or however long we were out, 45 minutes, if it's a nice, nicer day or we have a little bit more time before work, would sometimes be the only times during the day that I didn't have my phone on me. And my husband and I were realizing in part because it's winter and we're not going for as many walks because it's just cold and crummy out. But we realized we we miss that. We miss that ritual and miss that routine of let's just go for a walk and talk to each other 
and walk around the block or, you know, go out after dinner instead of hunkering down in front of the TV and go for a walk and be outside. And for me, some of that joy came from leaving the phone at home and just looking at the sidewalk or the tree or each other or just having those communications without the phone. And honestly, until we were just talking about it, I had kind of forgotten that I would dedicate, you know, at least a few minutes of my day without even knowing where my phone was. And so I missed that. So thanks for the reminder. Definitely. And it's something that I'm, I try every day with some days it's, there's so many exciting things happening on the internet. And then you find yourself caught up in reading one too many articles or what have you. And depending on what kind of person you are, if you like to schedule out your day, then maybe the schedule is the way to go and um, a great way to change things up. Maybe you haven't tried scheduling time for things and time for without, you know, the cell phone and the iPads and all that, because we're, we're all so very overstimulated. And it's important to wind down and go for those walks with the dogs. It's, it's such a lovely time to, to share and, and communicate and be present. If you can find, you know, at least five minutes in your day to be fully present I think, you know, that's that's an A plus in my book. I mean, sometimes when I say stuff like that out loud, I'm like, oh, that's sad. There are 24 hours. We could only find five minutes. But then there are days when I know I don't have those five minutes. I know I didn't do those five minutes of presence and mindfulness. So I'm with you. If we can do five minutes, it'll only grow and expand from there. Definitely. I know we were just doing a little, this is how to take a break from social media. But I also know when I look at your Instagram that sometimes you play a little music Ah, uh, yes, I do. How long have you been playing? I was introduced to the harmonium. My first place of practice was Shiva Shanti Yoga School, and teachers there um, sang and chanted and played cymbals, and they played the harmonium. And it was all so lovely and interesting to me. And luckily, during my teacher training there, we had a workshop with his name is Mindra. He is located in Queens, actually, and he does a lot with a lot of the schools in the Northeast. Um, He builds his own harmoniums and he teaches people how to play. And so he came to our training and taught us how to play the harmonium. A little brief beginner's lesson. Um, And at the time, I was so um, intimidated by this instrument because it's extremely unique. It has a very specific sound. And then playing it in front of people and doing the singing and chanting. I just never thought I would be on the same level as those teachers that I admired. (laughs) And so it took a while for me. I I lost a little bit of interest after my training um, just because I was still very new to playing it and, and just the idea of having it in class. And so I took my time with it and I started teaching a couple of years ago at Bhakti Barn Yoga while I was in the process of our training, you know, at Kripalu and teaching us. She had a harmonium that she allowed all the teachers to play. It was a community instrument and she was very um, welcoming. I don't know if you've ever heard of Betsy Davis. She's a master laughing lotus teacher. If you ever have the chance to go check out a Bhakti Bar Yoga, you must do so. Such a beautiful space and community. So I started playing there and becoming more comfortable with the idea and the concept that I can play the harmonium in front of people. <laughs> and so 
going self-taught. Mindra has taught me notes and chords and whatnot. I have stickers on my keys still to remind me. And, um, and everything that I play is either something that I've experienced either at a kirtan or with a teacher um, who did chanting uh, before class. Um, all of that I do is, is what I've learned from observation and teaching myself. Uh, there's wonderful uh, outlets. Uh, there's the Bhakti Breakfast Club. Um, it's a website that offers harmonium lessons all online through videos. And I've been using that a little bit now to, to practice my skills. But a lot of it is just uh, freestyle playing from the heart. I love that story because it follows the same path that so many things do when we're just learning it is you see someone do it or you see whatever that whatever that thing is that has a little bit of spark something for you. And then there's the doubt that comes with it. And then there's the experimentation and then, you know, eventually some joy and some practice and and then there you are. Now you have a new skill. And definitely. And now for me, it's just all about sharing it. And it's the harmonium. It's, it's such a great conversation starter, too. And I love introducing it to people who maybe have not heard it before, seen it before. And it's always so great to see the positive reaction that people get from listening to it during meditation or um, chanting along with me in class. It's it's, a, it's an instrument that brings people together. Do you have it with you? Would you be able to play a little bit? I do. All right. So I'll just, um, should I just play for a little bit? I'm going to jump in here just to say thank you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution and to remind you that you can find all back and future episodes of this podcast on yogafortherevolution.org. All the sharing, reviewing, listening to finding me on social media information is there. And for now, I'll encourage you simply to take a deep breath in. Let it all go. And if you can pause your activities and maybe close your eyes to listen, we'll take a a listen to the harmonium here.
I just sat back in my chair and I put the mic on mute and I just, you know, made sure my feet were on the floor and I had enough room to breathe and that was beautiful. I'm so glad you made space for that. And it's such a, it's something about it, the vibrations, the sound, it really helps you to tap in. Yeah, absolutely. There, I think you've articulated it really well. The vibration of the instrument is so unique and it's unlike, it's unlike certainly most Western instruments, maybe the bagpipes, but that has a little higher pitch. There's something really grounding about the, the lower pitch feels very, yeah, very grounding and it's easy for me at least to to really sink into myself with that with that sound happening oh I'm so glad you experienced that and enjoyed it I'm happy to share (laughs) well thank you so much for being with me today it was awesome to catch up with you oh likewise thank you so much for having me I'm so glad it it, it actually worked out happened and I want to make sure that anyone who's listening has an opportunity to find you on social or in person to take a walk and leave their phone at home. <laughs> so where can people look you up? Oh, yeah. Well, if you're in the Lake Worth, Florida area, I'm happy to go to uh, the park with you, Brian Park, take a long walk. Anytime I take my dog there all the time, it's um, a really lovely spot. If you want to find me on social media, um, House of Om, O-M, Yoga, on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carrie. I look forward to Yay. chatting again soon. Very, very, All right. Thank you. Today